Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the sixth episode of The Cefalo Show. We have a great show for you today with none other than Sven Martinson from Vallega Chain. We're going to talk all about crypto forensics, the way to look into the dark net activity of cryptocurrencies. And that's going to be great. So stay on. But before we do that, a quick sponsor message. Uh, Cefalo's show is uh, uh, made possible by Cefalo. Cefalo Premium. Maybe we can have a quick look at it if uh, we have it uh, ready here on the Cefalo.com website. We have a new section, which is Cefalo Premium. And on Cefalo Premium, uh, you can get much better rates and you get premium support if you're willing to spend a little bit more. Um, it's a great service. We just launched it and it's uh, for you to try out. So just sign up on the bottom of this page and uh, our, uh, you get a dedicated account to manager that will take uh, get in contact with you. So that's Cefalo at cefalo.com slash premium. Thank you very much. And then we go on with the show. I'll first introduce our technical lead, which is Matt. Hi, Matt. We're going to say Hello. hi. Yes. How are you doing? All good? Uh, all good. Working hard so that everything works here behind the scenes. Good. It's, but it's uh, all good. You're holding up in COVID times <laughs> with the white background. Yes. So far, so good. Sorry, maybe doesn't look so exciting, but uh, it works. It's like the <laughs> void of the John Oliver show. He has the the white <laughs> void behind him as well. All right, so yes. thanks, Matt, and uh, uh, sure. send in your questions, and Matt will make it appear on the screen. Uh, then next, uh, we have a new co-host, none other than Michael Gromek. Welcome to the show, Michael. Welcome, welcome. It's my pleasure to be here for the first time. Would you like to introduce yourself briefly to the audience who hasn't uh, been aware of who you are? Yes, I was trying to be introduced as the Batman of the impossible of compliance of Cefalo, uh, but it seems that this didn't really work out. Um, so technically speaking, I'm heading up the, the compliance team uh, at Cefalo. I've been doing fintech for the last uh, 11 years. Uh, so I have uh, partly I have an assignment with uh, with Forbes when I when I covered fintech uh, cryptocurrencies blockchain, uh, as well as I think I typed a couple of reports. Uh, and I'm super uh, excited to to introduce uh, Sven as well. Why share a kind of a history with? Uh, so Sven, please join us. Uh, and I'm very thankful that you are joining us from your Finnish kitchen today. <laughs> so, um, and Sven is heading up uh, Valega as the CEO. Um, mm -hmm. And I assume that the first time when we met, uh, this was in this, uh, during the Stockholm FinTech Week, when uh, when I approached you and he said, yes, we're working in crypto forensic, and a lot of companies have been claiming that. He said, yes, but we mapped, I don't know, back then, 175 million wallets, <laughs> currency wallets, and then you used this 175 million. I was like, okay, that seems like an interesting partner to talk to. Uh, and I assume this is, started, this is how it started. So Sven, uh, welcome. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me on Love the show. I'm very happy to be here. Uh, just before talk a little we bit about this, just before we jump in, let me remind everybody to subscribe and follow us uh, at Cefalo AB on Twitter, Cefalo on YouTube, and Facebook.com/slash Cefalo, and on Spotify or any other podcast uh, service that you may use. The Cefalo Show. That was it. Got the commercial message in. Sven, welcome to the show. You're the founding partner and CEO at Vallega Chain Analytics. Uh, we put you as a blockchain expert, uh, which I think you are, considering uh, what you guys are doing uh, with with the, with the tough uh, tough uh, uh, work that you're doing on the forensic side. So maybe you can briefly give uh, a little bit of an overview of who you are. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, as you see now, I'm Sven Martinson. I'm the co-founder of uh, Valega Chain Analytics. 
and um, I am actually half Brazilian, half Swedish, uh, living in Finland. And Finland is actually also where the company has been founded uh, two years ago. And uh, what we have been doing is, of course, this uh, kind of transaction monitoring and uh, forensic investigations within blockchain. But it didn't always start there, actually. We, we got into blockchain kind of where the uh, this whole hype was really going on with the ICOs and stuff. Uh, so mm -hmm. that's actually where we kind of mm -hmm. started and where I learned most of the things going on with blockchain, even though I'd followed the currencies quite a lot. So that was 2017. Uh, and that was also the craziest time to be looking at what's happening on the blockchains. Oh, yeah, <laughs> it, it very much was. And, uh, we were in that whole entire scenery. And eventually we started seeing that some things weren't working out as we had planned them to do. Uh, and that is also where, where we were led to see that, hey, something needs to be done when it comes to the security and, and uh, avoidance of scams. Quite a lot of things were happening back then uh, with that. Um, and of course, when we started looking into it properly into what kind of solutions were out there, how can the private people stay safe? How can smaller companies secure themselves? Uh, we didn't really see that much out there. So that's when we decided to just go for it ourselves and, and do that instead of working with marketing and ICOs and such. But, but can you, can you walk us through a little bit the idea? So I just assume it was a rainy Finnish day and then we were sitting there at the office drinking coffee. Uh, and looking at this amazing cathedral, and then you realized, okay, this is you know crypto forensic. Is this what I want to do? So I, you know, I, I cannot really make it a connection between you and somebody jump starting to to do. What yeah. Well, it it was basically that, right? We were looking at these ICOs, and we had kind of worked on this uh, one ICO project uh, together with with that client. And when we saw that it wasn't really working out, we had done the massive uh, marketing campaign, really successful. Everything was going really well. Uh, but then just shortly after that, we saw that news headlines everywhere, scammer, 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 scammer. And of course, we were doing something good, right? It was a good project. It was a, uh, something that was kind of good for, for the world. Um, so it was re really a bummer uh, when we saw that. What, what was the project? Could you... uh, it was actually an energy company uh, from Finland that we were working with. Mm -hmm. And and they had a really good, really solid idea to give out free water to the world, kind of right. Tokenize, tokenize water for the poor, basically. Do you um, dare name what it was called? Uh, I cannot <laughs> disclose that information, <laughs> <Water>. unfortunately. <laughs> uh, I try, I try. But it was a, leg a really mm -hmm. legit uh, company, and they were really, really trying to do something different. But then it got overshadowed by all these bad. Uh, bad uh, situations out there with the scammers, with mm. with people who were just downright stealing money from from, well, basically the poor, right? So it was like this reverse Robin Hood. Um, so then we decided to really look into how how can we fix this? And of course, there must be solutions out there. But then there there really kind of weren't the type of solution that we were looking for. How to help mm. like SMEs and startups. So, yeah, that's when we decided to, hey, what if we can filter out the scammers? And one thing led to another. Then we started talking to, to law enforcement. We started looking into the regulations properly, seeing what regulations were coming out in the future. And that's when we said, hey, we should, we, now that we had some experts on board as well, uh, our, our chief technology officer was very, very skilled in building these kind of tools. Uh, we started seeing that we can really tr start tracing these and, and kind of looking back. And mm -hmm. we did this one experiment where we went back all the way to the first Bitcoin. And that was like, well, we like really, <laughs> really looked into this. 
And that's when the, so, the forensic part played into it as well. So maybe here it's good to explain for people who are new to sort of this concept of Bitcoin forensics. Like a lot of people think it's anonymous. Could you, could you describe how it's not and how you're able to do this? Yeah, so yeah, exactly. People think it's anonymous, uh, but I would say there's it's really pseudo-anonymous. I think many people have now used that word to describe it. And that is, of course, you do have your addresses, your wallet uh, addresses, which basically is your bank account on the blockchain. If you take, for example, Bitcoin, right? Then you have uh, those numbers and letters. And those are, of course, not linked to a, a, an identity, right? I cannot say, oh, this is Frank's wallet, right? I cannot just go on the blockchain and Google your name and see all your, your money. But you can, of course, trace everything that is going on there. You can see exactly how much funds are there where the transaction will be going, what dates and everything. And that is, in essence, public information. And uh, with new regulations that have come out, of course, uh, a lot of companies are doing this KYC, right, which is this uh, know your customer, where you really need to see where's the money coming from, who are your customers. Uh, of course, Safello is no stranger to this. Um, no, I'm not. <laughs> and there you do have an attached uh, identity. So, of course, when we're looking into these crypto forensics, what we're doing, we're just being data providers, right? We're saying this is where it all happened. We don't have the identity of the person, but at least we can give you enough information so that once something does happen, you sit on that information and you can possibly collaborate with the authorities for this as well when necessary. Mm -hmm. um, and one of the discussions that we had, uh, what I've... I've... I find it, it might be very interesting for the audience is to understand how you map those cryptocurrency wallets. Uh, and, you know, please correct me if I'm wrong or laugh out loud in case my summary is incorrect. But um, your claim has been that those cryptocurrency wallets are uh, basically, and, 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 and there's, there's like a long abbreviation of numbers and letters. And this is nothing that you would just send to your friend or you would just never publish on a website in the middle of like an article. And this way, you know, this uniqueness allows you to um, to to make sure that, that the different systems are like scraping the data from the websites. And then, for example, when when uh, any kind of evil organizations are, are placing an information and they are collecting funds with crypto, then immediately you can see the cryptocurrency wallet address and you save this cryptocurrency wallet address. So far, it's being flagged by platforms like ours or any kind of other providers. Uh, and then there have been, once again, 214 million addresses. Yeah, as of last week, yeah, something like that, yeah. So, so is, is is that right? What Miko is describing, you are scraping mostly websites. So you're essentially doing what Google is doing, but then for uh, scammy uh, uh, darknet associated Bitcoin addresses. Yeah, that, that's one part of it. Okay. <laughs> it's one percentage yeah, of it. But of no. <laughs> but, uh, well, it's not that much of a secret. It's really just a lot of hard work uh, with two years uh, behind it of just actually going down the the rabbit hole right we have really been seeing uh looking into the dark web uh, where it's not as simple to scrape uh or, or crawl these websites so you actually have to go down see like okay mm. we know that these people are doing these kind of things could there possibly be some form of bitcoin addresses there and then we, we just start working with that and we have been able to build some some pretty cool algorithms that that help us in, in finding these patterns of where they could be uh and thus helping us kind of find these and if we see something that is okay oh this is a uh the silk road which is a fairly old school one right then we're like okay well that's most likely that that is uh somebody who's not doing the right things right and as it keeps going we, we work with that 
So, and and when it comes to um, uh, like these suppliers or dark net markets and you have things like mixers where the, the funds are commingled, but there's also websites that then, you know, as with Bitcoin addresses, you can just create new ones, new ones, mm -hmm. which every transaction, are you then able to cluster those or find patterns and, and, you know, that you can still see it comes from the same source? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we do cluster quite a, quite a lot. Uh, uh, and you'll find cluster with you know hundreds of thousands of addresses, right? Uh, so of course we we do our best to really see those patterns and then kind of try and link them to something previous, where we can also then eventually link them to an exchange or mm -hmm. a payment provider or or really anyone where where there could have been a KYC process happening uh, globally. So, so maybe it's worth having a look at the, because I think we have a demo for of, of what it looks like. And is well, this a specific test if this would be uh, if this would be possible? Because then you know, from the COVID nineteen perspective, Sven, mm -hmm. um, we have seen that there has been, uh, of course, like with all of the other challenges, there's every time a spike up on uh, what is a good ex what would be a good wording on creativity on the dark side. Mm -hmm. um, where, where the dark side is now not only sending messages in terms of I have recorded you when you have been doing things that you should not be doing in front of the camera, but additionally now, they, they, I think one of the scams that the FBI warned of was that I have recorded what you do in front of the camera, what you shouldn't, uh, and in case you do not pay me a certain amount of, of, of crypto, then of course I'll infect your family with uh, with COVID-19. You know, those yeah. sort of messages have been sent out. Or the other case that we had um, that was sent one of uh, from one of the other law enforcement uh, agencies where where they have been individuals who pretended to uh, to raise money with cryptocurrency. Uh, and they have been connected to um, the, the. They pretended to be connected with the World Health Organization, um, and I have I have an example of those. Um, and maybe you know this is the, the part to the, the request to Matt to like display that as an example. Mm. Thank you so much. And that's that's an, so it's it's somebody. There's on one side we have the so-called um, spoofing. So somebody pretends to create an email as the email comes actually from the World Health Organization. And then it says that, you know, of course, then they do whatever they can. So now they have a desire to collect the funds uh, to this particular cryptocurrency wallet address. So, mm -hmm. so can, can we just do like a, some, some kind of a live uh, uh, session on it? Uh, unfortunately, it's a picture, but can you just extract the cryptocurrency wallet address and can we just run it across uh, the system? So maybe for those yeah. listening, we should say what, what it shows on, on, the, uh, on the actual screen because you said it's perfect, but it looks yeah. like it's from the H, uh, from the World Health Organization, but of course it isn't. So it's spoofing is where you where you actually fake the uh, fake the, the sender, and then the subject says COVID nineteen solidarity response for who donate now, and then in the email it says we are all affected by the growing COVID nineteen pandemic. It's an unprecedented health challenge, and we know people and organizations. And I guess it goes on there, and the World Organization Legion, blah 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 blah. And then now you can help us by donating Correct. any amount you yeah. want with the help of Bitcoin Network. Down donate now with Bitcoin payment. World Health Organization Bitcoin address, and then there's the you know the Bitcoin address that the uh, the fraudsters uh, want people to send uh, a cryptocurrency to, just for the listeners so they know what's oh, on the screen. Yeah, yeah. For those of you who are, who are watching us on like smartphones, and you just you cannot see the script, um, and it would be fantastically legit. 
um, for for the World Health Organization to collect donations with cryptocurrencies. And um, one of the things that we do at Safello is, you know, Safello stands for Safe and Fellow. So uh, we we do our best uh, we do our best to make sure that we keep track of all of the all of the activity on the dark side, so our users don't have to. Um, but then maybe you know, Sven, have you been able to extract the cryptocurrency wallets? Yeah, I didn't take. I saw that. Uh, I did Google now just now. Uh, World Health Organization scam email. Uh, okay. So I managed to. I managed to grab it here. <laughs> Come uh, we're, we're, we're putting Sven on the spot. Like, <laughs> make it easy uh, for him. You know. See, let me see if I can very quickly share my screen here. Then, um, let's see. Why make it easy? There All right, we there we go. You so see our screen. We're seeing your screen, and we're seeing transparency, compliance, and security. The latest analytics have made it easier for everyone to analyze <laughs> yeah. and prevent illegal activities in crypto and blockchain-related transactions. All right, Beautiful. after That's you. exactly it. And actually, here, if you if you see here where it says year 2020 on the on just on the bar below, uh, then you can also see how many new addresses we actually added last week. Mm. Uh, so 86,000 new addresses, uh, associated addresses, that is. So And it's the combination of scraping and looking into databases of, of what other people are releasing. Exactly. And, then, and, and it's your own research and going literally on dark markets to try exactly. and find. So, and I mean, that people, sounds really I mean, it's interesting. Also, it's also crowdfund, crowdsourced in a way crowdsourced. as well. So but when people you... do find scams, they can put it in. But I can search. I can uh, Let's see. If we go down here, you can actually do this risk assessment. So could, could you briefly though? Could I could I briefly ask you exactly how you go about finding like that address on the dark market? So you go you go into Tor and then you just look at the 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 websites and you just look look if people like drug dealers are listing specific Bitcoin addresses and then you register that. And you're, you're not able to ways. automate that. Huh? Uh, that is one of the ways uh, that we can do it. Yes, um, and other other ways as well, <laughs> which which you won't remain. <laughs> See, I knew it was a good question. All right, all right, go on. Yeah. Show us. So show us the if magic. we go down here, uh, and as long as you're signed up, you can do this uh, completely for free uh, and search actual addresses. Hopefully, this works, and uh, I don't crash the entire system. And hopefully, exists. Yes, there it is. Actually, uh, so you get a Boom. pretty quick response. Um, Oh, thank God that worked. <laughs> you, you were sweating a little bit there. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, this is one of them. Uh, let's see. I think this was actually put on by the FBI, but you can very quickly see the transaction details that uh, there was a transaction here on the 5th of May. So, this is fairly recent. There's a scam, and this is pretty new then uh, since it hasn't even been associated to which scam. Uh, yeah. Because usually it will say World Health Organization or ransomware. Uh, things like that or hack, you know. As uh, mentioned, we didn't want to make it easy, so it's like one of the new camps. <laughs> if you come on the show and we give you something that is super outdated, you know, we have to keep up the bar quite a lot. <laughs> yeah. uh, and if you actually go to then uh, yeah. to our our dashboard, mm. uh, I can show you what the dashboard actually looks like. Uh, you can see that we have the associations of everything that we're connected with, right? So gambling, dark markets, exchanges, we have quite a lot of them. Uh, mm -hmm. Scams, ransomware, sextortion is something that is growing a lot uh, recently. We have the mixers, mining pools, so so we have tried to do as much as possible. Uh, do you do you weigh these like certain things have a different weight in terms of association with criminality over others? Mm, yeah, actually, 
quite recently, we did see um, these these scams happening with, for example, child abuse and uh, and child pornography. Of course, those mm. we, we weigh quite heavily. Uh, uh-huh. Human trafficking as well, because you know uh, people. People need to know that these things are happening and it's happening right under their noses and that they should not kind of associate themselves with those, even if it's uh, by accident, you know. So using a tool like this, you can actually uh, kind of filter those out. And if we just very quickly look at the actual risk levels that we've been seeing now, mm. uh, we see that almost 6% of, of things that are going on are actually downright illegal. Uh, and this is this is Bitcoin, I believe, that we're looking at right now. Um so, you know, the vast majority of people, like the common trader, like your viewers and stuff, I mean, you know, they, they're just trying to go about their trades day, on a daily basis and just, you yep. know, enjoy the new economy. But you'll always find these kind of kind of culprits out there. And so, uh, but but this has been the, this has been the misperception as well. You know, when you when you reach out to anyone who works for an incumbent or for who works in traditional compliance uh, mm-hmm. and you say that you represent a cryptocurrency company, then of course they, they look at you because they have a mis- often they have a perception that this red dot is not six percent, but it's like you know, eighty or ninety. Mm-hmm. But it's completely, you know, out uh, uh, what is not proven with anything because then the challenge is often what you hear from a media coverage perspective you you you, you will never get to know that 80 percent i cannot see the exact numbers but like 70 percent of at least yeah. your database you know they have been doing proper transaction everything is working out and mm. a very very limited amount of the users have um there, there is some kind of a suspicion connected to it um so and so, even though if we take the amount of of money that has been reviewed in reports and connected with crypto and crypto scams in comparison with traditional banks at 0.8 percent so you know there's still nothing so, so and when when we look at this donut uh, where we have 70 percent is safe and then it's 24 percent is suspicious, suspicious yeah and then it's uh the 5.78 yeah 78 percent is clearly illegal what 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 portion of the total traffic in crypto does that represent I mean, this is like everything that has been going through uh, since, well, basically forever. So, so if you look at it, it's really not that much uh, mm-hmm. actual fraudulent activity that is full on going on. You do have suspicious ones, right? And, yeah. and this this could be everything from from gambling to to tumbling uh, using these Bitcoin mm-hmm. tumblers, mixers. Uh, but of course, a lot of them are also part of. Things which can be legal in some countries, but are not legal in others, right? So, so right. yeah, exactly. So, so we do have to look, take the jurisdiction into consideration, you know, uh, as well so, while we're looking at uh, this. So, when you when the customers of your service Valega uh, use it, they they can geotag it, and based on that, they certain things will be marked illegal and and legal. Yeah. So, so how we do it is that you can never flag anything green, right? You can right. never put it green without contacting us first, right? But uh, you can, let's say, so let's say you're in a country where gambling is fully fully legal, and mm. you can do it as much as possible, as much as you want. Uh, then you, as the service provider or like the the company that is is doing this online casino, you can actually uh, contact us and get it get it flagged as green because it's legal in your jurisdiction. And then we do our, do our due diligence, make sure that that's really the case, hmm. uh, and then we we flag it on their own database, right? Hmm. Uh, for then the other way around, if it's for example Finland, then then that's not legal in that way. Uh, so then you can flag that immediately as illegal, and then it will be on your 
uh, database as illegal. And of course, mm -hmm. those those that are coming through uh, on you, you can you can always flag them uh, yourselves, mm -hmm. right? We, we we take quite a lot of of pride in, in being able to offer that. Uh, we think it's important uh, to mm -hmm. make the distinction between the jurisdictions. So um, you're crap. You're crowdsourcing that as well from your users? Uh, yeah, for, from the companies, yeah. Uh, from pi private users, of course, that's a little bit more complicated uh, because then... Did you, you do illegal out. activities today? <laughs> Please, Mark. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, or, or just the simplest thing as like, you know, you, you're, you're, buying, you're buying a pair of shoes and the person accepts uh, Bitcoin and you do the trade, but then the shoes were not up to standards of what you bought, you know, maybe... Um, you know, you want to say that this person is a scammer, right? And then, you know, you have to take it a little bit. Uh, That's yeah. the least of the troubles. Normally, they just never sent the shoes. And then it's yeah, just exactly. Claim fraud. exactly. <laughs> That's what we see. Exactly. Claim Instagram, fraud. Facebook yeah. frauds, everything <laughs> happening. Uh, but when you do look at uh, how the system would work, you know, when you're connected, you would get this in real time, you know, so you're actually getting... Uh, now there's a lot of yellows and reds here. This is not how it really should be. But of mm -hmm. course, we look into these mostly. So this is from kind of our test database. Uh, and this would be happening in real time constantly through an exchange or payment provider or anything like mm -hmm. that who, who's working with this. And you can go from everywhere to actually export it in the different uh, uh, different files that you want. You can uh, get the transaction details themselves. Like for example, if I'm looking at at something, uh, let's take this one for example. Then you see actually all the entities that this specific suspicious transaction has been going through or address has been going through, and that's quite a lot of entities <laughs> that are yeah. well mainly gambling, dark markets. You have something there mm -hmm. as well, so you know this information is quite useful. Like markets, um, dark markets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, Sven, when um, I think during one of our um, last meetings that we had in person, um, some of the some of the customers that have been meeting with you afterwards. They said like, oh yeah, Valega, like the the, the Wikipedia of uh, cryptocurrency, <laughs> yeah. uh, of cryptocurrency uh, of, of of the dark side of cryptocurrencies. I'm like, what do you mean with Wikipedia? And they were like, yes, before you do, we before you send the money anywhere, you can technically just go to Valega and then you can just type in the, the cryptocurrency wallet address. I think very similar to the to the um, WHO uh, mm. scam that we were just releasing. So before somebody has this idea to okay let's support you know the world health organization what is a noble thing and something that the individual is supposed to be doing like going to going to your website well, i think it's kind of unique gives you the the possibility to actually review if there there has been no dark side activity connected to it that hmm. would basically protect so what would protect the user from from doing so absolutely and, and i mean that that's really important to be able to 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 offer that and we, we just try to strive after simplicity you know we have we have some competitors out there of course uh, and they cater to these massive exchanges and and to like these um, to to law enforcement as well. And, and some of these tools can be quite complex to use in general, you know. And, and nothing against that, of course. But but somebody also has to cater to to the smaller, to the to the private users, uh, to those uh, who are just looking for, for example, cybersecurity threats when when there's ransomware is happening, uh, mm -hmm. you know, to to those who can't afford to pay ridiculous amounts of money, right? Uh, it should be it should be that all companies that are joining in into this new economy should have a chance, right? If they then reach to the points where they're unicorns, then sure, maybe if you want to use something else, then then go ahead. But at least you'll be compliant from from the get go, uh, even if you are a startup or just getting into the to the field or as a trader as well. Correct. So, because, because talking. Sorry, go ahead, Miko. 
No, always. I want uh, so many things to say, you know, uh, Sven. Uh, because I was wondering when it comes to the proper development, because it's, on one side, it's the, of course, it's a different user. And I, and I completely understand what you say from a, from a retail perspective, that a user can verify if this wallet is associated with a dark side or not. But on the other side, when you have uh, entities like law enforcement, like large cryptocurrency um, exchanges like ours, then of course there are sometimes a little bit di different needs when you have to mm. find the different paths and you have to understand if the money did originate from a source where it shouldn't, because sometimes you know yeah. a system like yours is stopping a lot of transactions, which is of course lovely for you because it just flags yellow. But when in, in case you are arriving at uh, my workplace uh, on Monday morning and you have all of these flag transactions, then you have to review all of the flag transactions. And some of them are gambling, and 99% of the users are fine. Um, but then we have to do a manual review. Do you do you have any kind of solution like that? Any kind of you know more investigative tools which are coming up? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and you know either you can use them yourselves or you can contact us and we'll do it for you. You know we we try to really have this hands on and uh, very kind of working with the clients that we have. Right, to try to really to really be there for them because it's not always that. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I think you're pretty skilled at doing forensic investigations, possibly. I think you've done it quite a lot. No, but, you know, no. if you have like standard case agents or something, yeah. you know, that they're just looking at this and that, okay, I've got the bottom of this, then then it's not always just easy to just jump in and just do it, right? Uh, but I did the address, the who address we just took out now. I did take it out here now. And this right. is kind of uh, uh, the Pathfinder, as we call it. It's still an early stage. It's still under development, of course. Mm -hmm. uh, but this is the actual address that that it was the 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 World Health Organization, and mm -hmm. it sent it to this one. So they're both flagged as scams, right? Because they're the direct ones. Uh, but you can I'm just. Sorry, really... I'm sorry to interrupt you, Sven. Yeah. But would you be? Oh, exactly. Zoom in. Yeah. Some of the... <laughs> exactly. Oh, I figured. Would... Techni technical support to the rescue. Thanks, Matt. <laughs> That's why he's here. <laughs> yeah. So, you see, so you maybe you can describe as well what you're seeing for the listeners. So not everybody's watching this. Exactly. So, so what you're seeing here, this is uh, the address that I just just uh, searched now for the World Health Organization. Uh, there was not much money that actually went through this. I think that they probably caught that quite quickly. Uh, what was going on? But as you kept on looking at it, uh, you know, you can actually, um, yeah. So here, you all of a sudden have quite a lot of bitcoins that was being transacted right there. Mm. Uh, six six point seven bitcoins. Uh, so that's a fair amount of money. Uh, going through to an, to another address, which was actually so, flagged as green. How, how do you read that then? Do you read that as it has been collecting other scam money from other addresses, and that's sort of a cluster where it, uh, where it arrives, and then it's moved to let's say somewhere where they would exchange it for fiat money? Exactly. This looks like a, that's what it's about. Um, in this case, that it's, it's taken from several scam scams, and this is most likely a fairly new address that was then created. Um, and if we click, then we see, oh, well. Is there a significance between the color coding? So we saw everything up until then red, and then we see it yes, turn green? Exactly. So, yeah. So this green wallet, that was probably because it was very new. Uh, so it was created very, very recently. So this would probably now be flagged as red on our actual database. Uh, mm -hmm. But as the Pathfinder is updating real time as often as it can, it's not always that the color coding goes uh, straight away. But it should be there once it's in the, in the system. Uh, but the important thing is to actually be able to, to track the money, right? Um, uh, 
But, so, but do you that is then red, a red representing well, of it has passed a certain amount of blocks? Then th exactly. that's so why it's okay. All right. It's illegal, so it doesn't yeah. it, it doesn't represent Bitcoin Cash then? No, yeah, <laughs> no, no, exactly, exactly. So this would be a very very <laughs> recent uh, connection. Uh, I think this is actually set to three three points back. But you, if you want to set it back to like many many points, I mean that you can do as well. Uh, okay. And here you actually see that it's been sending quite a lot of money to to several ones. Oh, there's actually an exchange right there straight away. So they, All right, which exchange is that? Let's uh, call them out. Hopefully not ours. Oh, Luno.com. Yeah, okay. yep. you, you saw it here first, people. <laughs> uh, that was uh, immediately $4,000 just right there. But uh, we and, don't see from Luno that it's moved on, right? So uh, No, so then there you would you would actually contact us uh, because, of course, that would be a lot yeah. of transactions going on. But uh, maybe they yeah. should look into that. <laughs> so, but there, uh, we, there you might be able to attach an identity to all of these transactions there when they try to exit through Luno. Oh, yes. Exactly, exactly. And, and that's really the, the essence of, of how that goes, right? You can just keep tracing and tracking. And there was another red one, so that was probably more scams going on. Uh, you know, so, so it's and just to be clear to the listeners, it doesn't mean that Luno actually made that transaction go through. No, so exactly. <laughs> it's, 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 I just want to be nice to Luno, not that yeah. people think that they are participating in this. It could be any exchange name and you see a certain amount of activity always pass through the different exchanges. Exactly. And, and they have uh, likely done their KYC. They probably have done their KYC. Um, so, so for them, they would be they would be safe you know they would they would be covered uh but then you know of course they could probably help out when necessary to really say like okay this this wallet is now blocked on our systems and and, so, and and this this whole trail is from that those six six bitcoins that we saw in total from before exactly, exactly. which you know equates to sixty thousand um, dollars approximately yeah, something like and that. and how would you, how how large would you say such a um amount is in terms of a scam that you that you guys encounter in your system uh, in daily that that is use? like uh when it comes to a scam that was done just a few days ago uh that is um uh or like well a few weeks ago actually so so then that is fairly average uh when you compare that that was one of the wallets right Hmm. Uh, because they keep sending it to other wallets as well and just keep going, right? Until there's so little, so until they can extract something like, you know, $4,000 or $3,000, you know, or euros or whatever, you know? So, so it really, it really plays into how much money they, they're going to transact between Bitcoin and fiat or ether and fiat, you know? So, so it really, uh, what is large? On, I would say large is we, we've seen some things that are like, you know, 40 million, uh, passing through not one single exchange but as like as the amount that is passed through one scam wallet well and, what scam was that uh i'm actually not at liberty to discuss to discuss that specific one this is an ongoing yeah, investigation we're, we're, just, we're just among friends and in these in these cases has the activity then been stopped or do you guys actually work with law enforcement to keep the sort of scam going until they touch like a part where their identity is uh, discovered yeah, so so we are data providers in essence. That's what we do. So so what we what we are doing is just sharing the information, right? We we're not police officers, you know. We uh, we're not doing that kind of work, but we do happily share uh, this kind of information with law enforcement or with the ex different exchanges. Uh, we can interconnect exchanges if necessary. Say like, okay, something passed from this exchange, uh, but it also passed on this other exchange. All right. Uh, mm -hmm. So then we can probably say, hey, can you guys just 
quickly discuss with each other because this seems to be connected on very to, few transactions, for example. To, to quickly, could I quickly jump in before uh, one more, <laughs> Mika? Sorry, sorry. Because that touches upon something that you, you mentioned uh, before, which is like... Um, the the identity uh, you, you're you're mapping the different exchanges where people are doing the KYC and you are mapping the tra transactions from the dark market to uh, to these destinations where then hopefully mm. like the perpetrators can be uh, caught and now on a global level you have the you know FATF regulation coming into effect particularly the travel rule where. <laughs> Um, it's decided that the the endpoints between exchanges need to be identified, if I'm not mistaken. But Mikal can maybe comment on that, uh, what that exactly means. And how, how? Yes, <laughs> maybe before Swen answers the question. But my question then is like, how how do you guys see that play out for your company, and, and what effect does it have to Falega chains and maybe forensic analytics in general? But before that, Mikal, please explain what the FATF. Uh, uh, travel rule means of course uh, and and I'll, I'll try to do that briefly so then people will just not fall asleep uh, how, what generally happens in regulatory discussions but Sven could you still share the screen with us and show the different cryptocurrency wallets uh, like you know the trays yeah. that goes from red to green um, because as of now what uh, for those of you who, who can see that you can see that they are different cryptocurrency wallet addresses and Sven has stated what is correct, that they are like a, a bank account. Um, so you own the crypto, you own this account, you own keys to the account. It's supposed to be an account that where you can move uh, money back and forth, so crypto back and forth. Um, but the difference is that, of course, this cryptocurrency wallet is, is a piece of software where it basically holds keys. So this is not really an account where, where you ever have logged in with your bank ID or when you're an MID or when you're where, where you have sent in the um, the identity documents like your passport. Um, and there are a lot of things which I should not be saying when it comes to my personal opinion connected with Facebook Libra. But what FATF has done, uh, so we have the European regulators, so we have the national regulators, then uh, like the Swedish financial supervision, then we have ESMA, European Security Market Agency, and on top of that, we have the Financial Action Task Force, which is a little bit like a global coordinator of regulation to make sure that we we, 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 we follow similar, uh, similar pathways. Um, and it feels like that, um, okay, I will, I'll be saying this, I, I shouldn't, but it feels like that, the, that since Facebook Libra came along, um, then suddenly uh, the regulator didn't know what to do. So they were just like, okay, Facebook Libra is coming. What should I do? What should I do? Let's, let's just create some kind of a regulation. We will do some kind of a regulation. And this regulation said that all of the cryptocurrency wallet addresses that Sven had along the way to each particular wallet address, there's supposed to be an identity uh, connected to it. So this means when you are transferring money from one cryptocurrency wallet to another, then platforms like ours have the responsibility to make sure that I get a copy of your passport. Um, and that's lovely, uh, but this is a little bit like uh, fixing a bridge that has been already uh, created, which is out of concrete. So, okay, the bridge is already there. It's not that you cannot change the different pieces. This is how the blockchain infrastructure works. There is one Bitcoin code. There is one code for cryptocurrency wallets and how it works. So it's a little bit unclear uh, with which technology for now we're supposed to be storing the uh, passports connected with the cryptocurrency wallets. That's a little bit of discussion that we're having on, on, on national levels and international levels. Um, and we are just all afraid that, um, that each country will create their own regulation. So it will turn out to be super messy and, the, and already the US started to do so. So that's, that's, this is what is called the travel rule. It's supposed to be implemented as of June, so next month. 
Uh, it doesn't seem that it might be implemented. Uh, we had the pleasure to to join the, the Swedish Ministry of Finance and like co-represent Sweden by the United Nations that has been hosting the meeting. Um, so it seems that we are like upfront. Uh, it might come in with AML uh, with the anti-money laundering directive uh, six that will six. be coming up maybe two years. Yeah. Um, so we have a little bit of time, but then it means that maybe Australia and the US by then have created their own systems, but will make things quite quite complicated. So we give our best to to coordinate. And this was the quickest summary of the travel route that I could have done so far. Yeah, and the travel route is very interesting how how quickly it came along in a way, uh, because of course we we did see the five MLD be implemented uh, yeah. now and actually came into practice now. Uh, this year, and that was already kind of a, a pretty pretty big deal, right? And uh, right. that is that you actually have to know where your money is coming from. You have to have tools like this, uh, uh, or you kind of will be in trouble. We, we saw uh, effects of this, similar effects of this happening when GDPR was coming along, right? Nobody was right. really prepared for it. Everybody was kind of here and there, oh, it's going to be fine. You know, they'll never catch us anyways. And then slowly but surely, of course, the bigger ones started getting caught. We saw Facebook falling into this, yeah. Google, whatever, right? Uh, but the smaller ones were kind of drifting under the radar for quite a long time. The 5MLD, sure. however, uh, it yeah. really impacted the smaller exchanges, the smaller companies uh, who had just gotten licenses. And and we, we saw that, for example, in Estonia, there were hundreds of companies who, who were losing their licenses yeah. uh, on this. And, you know, and it would have been so simple to actually just have a compliance solution working on the background uh but of course when you're unprepared you're unprepared and it's not as simple we can say no, experience. No, yeah exactly <laughs> when when there aren't the the appropriate tools out there to actually be able to to do this properly uh, lack of communication between law enforcement and fintech companies uh we did touch this topic in the stockholm fintech week i believe uh, mm. quite a lot and and this is important you know to to really try and be prepared especially when it comes to people's well-being in the form of economy and, and getting people out of these ransomwares and scams. Uh, mm. But not only that, this travel rule now came very fast. So so people need to be prepared. I mean, I think everybody who's working in this sphere now, uh, not only us, but also our competitors and, and other 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 um, actors as well, trying to figure out how are we going <laughs> to get Do through that. this, this, <laughs> this but, but uh, is it, situation. Is it not that suddenly you will, similar to uh, with all of our, our colleagues who are lawyers, uh, that you know suddenly when it was GDPR, so then uh, you could just hear the ching, you know, when it comes to all of the different uh, law firms connected mm -hmm. with that have been working data data privacy. Is it not that actually that the travel rule and the sixth AML directive, it's for you? You're like, okay, oh, let's 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 wait. This will bring us a lot of money. Is this actually not a very big benefit for you guys, where you can step in and say, okay, would you like to be compliant? You know, work with us. Yeah, I mean, absolutely, of course. I mean, and we have been looking into it, and we we we. Uh, we think that we do have a solution for this uh, to be announced later. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> um, and we're actually working with some, some pretty heavy cryptographers on that and looking at how does the blockchain truly work? Like, how does it really, really work? Because, of course, a lot of it has been buzzwords and everybody just joining in kind of thing. Uh, but what, what is really the essence of it? How, how does it work in the types of privacy, right? We know that that has always been kind of an issue. Uh, that has been brought up by many actors, like do, talking. Do about you think it will change um, the usage of crypto for the end user? Uh, maybe for the beginning it would, 
but and and it, but that's how, kind of how it always is when people when when people get into new technologies and and when when there's a barrier to overcome, right? Yeah. Uh, so I do think that there, there will be an impact, absolutely. Uh, but I think it won't be very long-lived. People are very good at adapting, especially if I know the crypto people correctly. They're very good at adapting to these these regulations but and finding it. Do, uh, does it mean the end of uh, um, cryptocurrencies like Monero, where you are, are they going to be effectively blacklisted, so you can't really exchange them back into fiat money? So you're either you know you're you're essentially operating in a black economy because it's either you're completely connected to an a KYC uh, identity connected to your addresses, or you're operating outside of that. And by that, you're just creating uh, um, uh, uh, an entire sector sort of that is, or entire interaction that is entirely black economy that can't interact anymore with the above board economy. Mm, I, mean, I think that's hard to say though. It's hard to predict what will happen because of course, if we look at Monero and, and other, other of these like uh, more secretive kind of <laughs> cryptocurrencies, uh, it, it is kind of building on the essence of what blockchain was supposed to be or cryptocurrency was supposed to be from the beginning, right? If we're looking at the, the initial white paper. And, and the internet. The, yeah, and the internet, of course. But but here we are, you know, we're dumping everything we have on the internet constantly, right? So so I think we will overcome come these things. And to be honest, like w- it's hard to really say how, how, how the world will react and how, how the... Uh, the leading exchanges and companies working with this, how they will will actually get on board with this kind of, uh, how do you call it? Yeah, well, the essence of what blockchain was was really this whole whole thing where you're supposed to be anonymous and have control over your own things. I don't think that will change, mm-hmm. uh, but I think that we will see see some form of uh, stabilization of mm-hmm. the usage of how cryptocurrencies are working. And I think that that in itself can lead to a much better mass adoption. And I still think that uh, we will be able to still control our own money. Destiny. Destiny. No, no. <laughs> hoping that you were going something big. Somebody was telling that I was burning, Miko. So I was interrupting you when you wanted to say a question, Miko. So I'm going to give you free... <laughs> A free roaming now to make up for my apparently a burn, which was not my intention. No, 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 it's all good. Um, but but I think Sven, absolutely, you are completely right. So it really depends where you live. Uh, and then uh, I think once you're living in the Nordics, uh, then it's then of course cryptocurrency might have a little bit uh, a different use than you would like to send uh, send money to your friends in Thailand and do not pay 11% on interest so on the different conversion rates and then it's when you do it with Swift it takes forever you can take all of the fintechs but then you have the initial fees and you have to do additional KYC etc and and then it has a different meaning when you live in Venezuela or when you live in countries which are quite restrictive then uh, it's it's very interesting when you go to FATF and you have those two camps. You have the, uh, okay, cryptocurrency is supposed to be as uh, uh, as transparent as as as, uh, as fiat money, this one camp. And then you have the libertarian camps, which are like, no, 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 we have to make it more secure. We have to make sure that it's, it's completely anonymous. Um, and it's very difficult because it feels like, uh, I'm not sure if the comparison to Trump supporters and Trump haters is a good one, but it seems that everybody's aware of the other side. But nobody really would like to acknowledge that there might be like some half truths in the middle of it. Um, but then here, um, I was just wondering, as you work quite often with law enforcement, with regulators, with with uh, with legislators, can you see that they actually have upgraded their knowledge uh, connected with cryptocurrency and such, 
or um, because sometimes you know I understand that they are very, Left very gave it away. <laughs> I understand that they are very busy with ninety eight percent of the crimes which is connected with fiat money, and I think I understand that. Um, but it happened to us uh, that you know we have been asked. Uh, I think we, we both we both laughed about that. If, if Frank is the CEO of Bitcoin, uh, who owns the blockchain? <laughs> if I can give a phone number to the blockchain CEO. Um, oh, yeah. and we thought that this for for those way. novel listeners, there is no CEO of blockchain or Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. There is not such a thing because it's open source technology that is, exists on thousands of computers all over the world. Just correcting that. Not everybody knows. Correct. Correct. No, no, no. Of course. And then similarly, like there's no CEO of uh, of of the internet. You know, using the same mm. analogy, and then people understand a little bit more. So, what is your yeah. experience so far? What have you seen any kind of trends? Have you seen some countries being better than others? Finland is actually very known for being quite in the forefront of the, of of, uh, of technology as such. Any mm. kind of, uh, of of your personal feedback that you have so far? Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. And also one comment uh, from what you said earlier that okay, fiat is super transparent, but is it really though? <laughs> we do see quite a lot of money being laundered through there, and of course, it's getting a little bit better now. But but isn't that kind of the same same thing? And uh, that that kind of plays into that that whole polarization thing that you were saying uh, that you have the two camps uh, of like the true like Bitcoin. Uh, people like the originals if you may say so oh, and then <laughs> and then Ooh. those who wanted to adapt right i mean i keep hearing that constantly from so many different uh, uh different different sources and yeah i do see a trend kind of forming you know uh mm. if if yeah you said like for example finland is very advanced and and that is definitely true uh, you have you have two quite big uh cryptocurrency exchanges here uh, and brokers as well and they have done quite a lot for the industry, I would say, uh, working with, with getting proper the proper licensing, working with the regulators to really try and get this this positive kind of uh, approach to how to work with not only blockchain, uh, the technology itself, but also cryptocurrency and allowing people to really, really do this. Uh, uh, and this is, of course, Prasos uh, for, for one of them and, and also local Bitcoins working quite a lot with this. Um, and and I think you should give props to those in the Nordics in general. I mean, I know Safello's been doing that a lot, uh, and others too. But then you know, all of a sudden, you look at a country that is like like Venezuela, where all of a sudden it's not just about trading and trying to get into this new economy for, for your benefits. It's also about people's survival, right? Uh, you're looking at a country that is kind of falling apart, and which is very unfortunate. But then they have all all of a sudden started turning towards cryptocurrencies. And then there's also the security issues there. So, so you know, I don't know. I don't know how to how to really put that in a, in a nice way. But uh, I do think that there are these camps of like regulations being super strict and kind of killing off the the, the technology we're working with, or actually having allowing people to have the freedom to basically do whatever they want to survive, kind of thing. Mm -hmm. If you get if you catch my drift. Of course, but then that's exactly the part where where it is quite tricky to be the head of compliance of of, of, a, of a leading you know Nordic exchange because on one side when we know that uh, one while individuals are typing in a particular cryptocurrency wallet address that has been for example verified on your platform and it's not red but it's yellow and it might be connected with something like fake uh, Gucci bags on Instagram, mm -hmm. you put up those messages saying okay this looks like this might be a scam. 
do you really, really, really think that a Gucci bag can be sold for 25 euros new? Click yes in case you are you are you really would like to lose your money, or click here in case you would reconsider. That's the reason why we have like fraud prevention pages. But now and then yeah. it feels like um, that it's uh, it's not always the platform. So, but it's very often the user. So similar, I have a very good friend of mine. He is head of cybersecurity in one of the leading fintech companies uh, in, in Stockholm. And he says, you know, they have protected the gates. So it's very difficult for any kind of hackers to come in. But then still they have the users who, whose password is passwords or users whose password is like one, two, three, four. Um, so it's very difficult, you know, to find a balance to make sure that to protect the user, but on the other side, to not request that they have to log in with bank ID and create like their exactly. 75 of characters of, uh, of the password to like come in. Yeah, uh, because some people just can't do that. For them, it's an impossibility, you know, like, of course, now, now we're living in the Nordics and, and that's all, all great. We have this technology available to us constantly, like very easily uh, to, like, for example, bank IDs and secure logins and all that. Um, but of course, looking at other countries outside of Europe or even within Europe, that's not as simple. So how do you protect those people? You know, and I think that the easiest way is actually to just use tools like this, like, you know, verify your transactions, see what's up. It is free after all. You can just do it. Yeah. Uh, and at least it will help you somewhat. Uh, but in the end, yeah, it is up to the user to really say like, do you want to do this? Yes or no. Just a quick note for everyone listening. If you have any questions. Don't forget to put them in the comment box. Go oh, on, yeah. we will see that immediately. But uh, Sven, is there anything that you could share? What was even, I don't know, if, um, uh, let's let's call it funny or interesting when you have been working with uh, with law enforcement? So any kind of questions that you that you had? Because I know that you have been working quite a lot. How was the cooperation? How is it going? Can you tell us anything that you would <laughs> share? Saying, okay, I find that this agency was like super good or like this was a little bit needs education because education is the key what is kind of yeah it really is actually like uh so so we were the first uh uh first company of its type uh working directly with cryptocurrencies and this kind of compliance uh in finland if not the nordics at least in finland uh to 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 get the the government grants uh for this right and we were kind of very very early out you know like blockchain was really just a buzzword uh, cryptocurrencies everybody was a scammer right? that was the knowledge <laughs> and uh when we came there to to actually say like hey we're doing this uh we found this project that we want to do uh we're, we're just starting and we would need some some funds to do this right uh the moment we explained what we were doing everything was fine up until we said blockchain and cryptocurrency <laughs> then it took a turn there and it was very hard to kind of try and really kind of educate people uh because it's really what it is uh, like i think uh, you and me we talk a lot about uh, uh upgrading the ecosystem right um and i don't think that was something that was even in the minds of people at the time uh, and this was only two years ago <laughs> mind Boom. You. so so it was it was a very uh, hard hurdle to get over to actually try and explain to people and especially to government officials who, who are sitting on, on cash uh, for funding and say like hey uh, this is actually needed this is coming like people will be trading people will be using this on a much grander scale in the next years there are hundreds if not thousands of startups that would want to work with this kind of technology so there has to be things you know let's not harm this uh, but eventually it really worked out and, and uh, with the work from, from the Finnish communities or, and 
and uh, and the likes, you know, it really started getting upgraded. And I think that there's a lot more understanding now on the benefits of blockchain and how cryptocurrencies can really be uh, something beneficial. Uh, of course, we see like COVID-19 mm-hmm. has also changed that mindset. So I think there's quite a lot uh, that happened since then, but it was in the beginning. I remember it was really <laughs> um, a hard, a hard, a hard sell. A Brazilian Finnish guy talking about uh, blockchain compliance and cryptocurrency <laughs> had, to be, uh, had to be interesting. But um, um, but then, is there anything uh, what you feel you know when you're coming on shows like this, mm. or you have been uh, you had a, recently like a podcast recording as well? Is there anything that you feel that you would like to say with like nobody asks you? What this is like this one burning thing or like two burning things? that nobody really asks you, but then this is something that you really would like to share? Anything that everybody's missing? That is actually simpler to be compliant than people think it is, especially in this sphere. Like, I know I know people work a lot with that, but I think that that's something that nobody ever asks. You know, they're always saying like, but this is so complicated. It's going to be super expensive. And, and, you know, why are we doing this? There's no point to this. And, and I mean, I've, we've heard that quite a lot, actually, shockingly so. Uh, but but that is a question that I, I would want people to ask me. They always ask about like what are the scams and how is this working. But to just say like how simple is it? How easy is it for me to actually be compliant? How easy is it to me to start a company uh, working with cryptocurrencies at the moment? Uh, how how simple is it? And it, you know, of course, once you pass the initial hurdles of starting your company, being compliant is just the next step, and it's not as crazy as people would think it is. So I think that's that's a really like something that well, I, I would like to put out there. A message of hope to end with. My position, it's fine. So I think it's good for a message of hope for those who want to finish, who want to start with the cryptocurrency running an exchange or anything like that. It is not as hard as you think. We think a little bit differently on that one, but we'll leave it in the middle. But you came in from the beginning. You were early starters. You had to fight the way all the way. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, so we had we talked about the good, the bad, and the ugly today, and uh, luckily there's a lot of good. Uh, thank you, Sven, for joining us uh, tonight. I think so uh, people took probably a lot away from that. Uh, and that's our show for tonight. Uh, don't forget to subscribe on Twitter, YouTube, uh, on Spotify. Next week we have a another great cast. Not Sven. Do we have the other slide? There we go. Yichin Wu from Tesseract. Uh, also from Finland, if I'm not mistaken, uh, and he uh, works with Tesseract Investment. Uh, Will Lent, maybe some people know it as that was what it was called before. Um, they are doing a lot of things around the liquidity and providing liquidity to the market. Uh, so very interesting and also kind of deep tech discussion that we will have next week. Uh, so tune in next week on Monday. I'd like to thank our guest once again, Sven Martinsen, my co-host Mika Gromek. And this was episode six. Thank you so much. Thank you.